Welcome to the Historical Figures Podcast. I'm your host, Suhani Ramchandra. This podcast contains graphic descriptions and mentions of mental illness. Do not continue listening if you do not wish to hear these things. Today, we are going to discuss the life of our honored guest, Dorothea Dix. If you don't know who she is, shame on you. October was National Mental Health Awareness Month, and in honor of our mentally ill citizens, we are here with the women who bettered their institutions in the U.S., and we will further our knowledge about her. But first, a small message from our sponsors. Sponsoring this podcast today is Corpus World, my personal favorite for studying for my calculus tests. Corpus World has been a huge help to me in my calculus class, and Mr. Corpus brings to us Corpus World Premium. Premium users have access to some of the cool stuff like behind the scenes jokes of Mr. Corpus and more calculus worksheets for your pleasure. It also includes practice for other subjects. Need to study for that APU's history exam? Corpus World not only helps you in calculus, it now helps you in history too. Use our code DOROTHEADIX now to get six months free as well as a chance to win a free meet and greet with Mr. Corpus himself. So let's get right into it. Hello, Dorothea. Welcome to Historical Figures. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. But actually, my name is Elizabeth Merriweather Gilmer. I just prefer to go by Dorothea Dix. It's a pseudonym that I went by my days of writing, as many women in my field do. How did you come up with this name? Why did you just want to stick with your original name? Well, my name was inspired by a slave my parents owned named Mr. Dix. He was considered a very loyal slave of ours. And favorite story of mine to tell is when he saved the family silver from being stolen by Union soldiers raiding their home. In fact, one of my first newspaper stories was inspired by this event. Also, the reason I don't use my original name is because many female reporters of my era used pseudonyms in their writing. So, how did you come up with the idea to reform the asylums and prisons? Well, I was visiting my friend in prison, and I was appalled to see the horrendous conditions prisoners were forced to live in. They were brutally chained to filthy and small cells, whether or not they were criminals or just mentally ill. It could be best described as animals in cages. They weren't allowed to come outside any time, and conditions were extremely unsanitary. No words can describe my utter disgust. That's absolutely terrible. After reflecting on what you've seen, well, what were your thoughts like? My thoughts were like, how can we treat them like this? Aren't they people too? The prisoners were going to be released from jail. What's to stop them from committing more crimes? Being mentally ill is not a crime. Why should they be put in prison? There need to be some sort of reform that actually helps these prisoners not degrade their image in society. Wow, that's a lot of issues. What, what did you do to solve them? Well, to learn more about inmates, I visited every public and private facility I could access and document what I saw. I was exposed to all kinds of brutality from prisoners being starved to flogged. After I compiled my research, I presented my findings to the legislature in Massachusetts demanding action. After much time, funds were given to expand mental hospitals and treat these prisoners with care. However, my work wasn't done. I began advocating in other states like Rhode Island and New York, and soon enough, I was in Europe. 
Was there any specific ex experience in any of the asylums that you have seen that affected you the most? Well, there was this one mentally ill man by the name of Abram Simmons. He was held in a jail cell. The conditions he endured were, to say the least, horrid. The cell was approximately six to eight feet square, entirely stone with iron bars. No fresh air or light could enter this area, and the room was very cold. Frost covered the stone walls, and his bed was literally a sack full of hay. To make matters worse, his bed was damp and frozen. The poor man was dressed in wet clothes, and all I can imagine was how much his teeth must have chattered from living in this icebox. Dorothea, I'm sure you have been applauded for your efforts, and every American is proud for what you have done. Tell me about your proudest moments. Well, I would say that for a woman of my era, I was able to achieve a lot. I'm proud to say that thanks to my work, I was able to establish several institutions across the U.S. and Europe, from penitentiaries, professional treatment for the mentally ill, and poorhouses. My efforts were mostly effective on a state level, and some of the first states I was able to reform included New Jersey, North Carolina, and Illinois. While I was proud of making a change at this level, I tried to reform at a national level. Unfortunately, this bill for, for reform did not really pass. Um, another thing was being the superintendent of the Army nurses during the war. I was able to convince the medical corps of the value of having women working in hospitals, which brought us one step closer to independence. In fact, the women's rights movement was just starting to stir, and the Seneca Falls Convention was the first women's rights convention that prompted women to fight more. Amazing. But did you ever face any challenges in this process? Of course. Well, being a woman and a social advocate is not usually associated together, and I was despised by many people. I had a difficult time getting my point across to my state legislature, since as a woman, pamphlets were really the only means of which I could participate in politics. I could not just present my ideas to legislature by myself, as a man would have to literally read my testimony for me. I also had a high status since I was the superintendent of women nurses. I was, I was widely feared and disliked by some of the volunteers because of my strict and firm attitude. A few months into the job, I was ousted from my position and sent home. Oh yes, you were a nurse during the war. What was it like? Tell us about your time during the war. Well, I was in fact a nurse during the war for both the Union and the Confederacy. I was also part of the reason that the armies had nurses, and I recruited about 15% of the nurses that served during the Civil War. I wanted to ensure that as many men as possible survived, people should not die or be mistreated. This was a principle I applied to both prisons, asylums, and the war. Weren't you a supporter of the Union during the war? Why would you want to treat both sides? Though I supported the Union during the war, that did not mean I was going to leave men that could have been treated to die. This served me a lot of respect during the war from both sides, especially since many Northerners had Southern relatives, and Southerners had Northern relatives. Alright, thank you so much, Dorothea. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to discuss Dorothea's work with women's rights. So don't go anywhere and keep listening to historical figures.
Also sponsoring our podcast today is Circle Space, a website where you can create the website of your dreams. Look at other websites made by people like you for guidance, like our Historical Figures website, where you can see the current historical figure we are featuring and get a sneak peek at our next months. At Circle Space, there are plenty of templates and website features to make your website absolutely dazzling. Use the code DOROTHEADICKS for 100% off on your first website. Welcome back to Historical Figures. We're here with Dorothea Dix, a reformer with prisons and asylums. All right, Dorothea, so we forgot to ask you this, but tell us about your childhood and your early life. Well, to start, I grew up pretty poor. My family, which include my parents, two brothers, and I, lived in a small cottage, but we often, but I often li- ended up living with my grandparents in Boston because my parents were alcoholics, especially my father. When I was in Boston, I developed my views that led me to support the, that led me to support the union, even though my parents had slaves. My father, I would say, was pretty essential in my life, despite his alcoholism. Um, he taught me how to read and write, and due to this, I developed a love for books and writing. Later, me being young and naive, I married at a young age, and unfortunately, with a very abusive husband. Um, I was later actually diagnosed with depression, and I guess I could say that this gave me further reason to help reform these mental institutions. I later ended up having a mental breakdown, and to recover from this, I became a reporter and wrote stories. My neighbor helped me after noticing my writings. This experience helped me later on when I was advocating for prisoners' rights. Wow, that's so much. You do definitely didn't have it the easy way. Do you know why you developed depression? Well, I would say it was many different factors. And as you guys, as you guys already know, uh, my parents were alcoholics, and it really did have a negative impact on my life. Um, in addition to my husband being a very abusive, he was actually sent to a mental asylum. And our overall marriage, though it ended, was just awful. So I guess that contributed a lot to a depression. So I hear you were a teacher for some time. Can you tell us more about that? Of course. I started teaching at the age of 14, and for a while it went pretty well for me, before I had to stop due to mental health issues. Um, I actually established some schools in Boston and Worcester. One of my well-known schools is the Dix Mansion in Boston, which was a school for girls. I also established another charity school for poor girls to allow them to get free education, as I believe that any girl should be able to receive the same level of education as men. At one point in my teaching career, I was the governess to the daughters of William Ellery Channing, a man that you guys may know as the father of Unitarianism. Because of this, a friendship developed between the two of us, and he became one of my earliest supporters for my cause in reforming asylums and prisons. Well, I think everyone knows how amazing you were, regardless of all the challenges and hardships you encountered. We are, we are very grateful towards your work. If you had not done what you did, our country would not be the way it is today. Thanks so much for, for coming in, Dorothea. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to 
the Historical Figures podcast. Tune in weekly to learn more about the amazing people who made the world what it is today. We hope you enjoyed today. Remember to honor National Mental Health Awareness Month, even though it's over. Thank you.